Yep. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of the Clown Fiesta podcast. We got a lot to talk about today, uh, some of which being the Academy Dilemma. I don't want to go too far into it. We'll speak a little bit more on that later. And Medios gets benched this week for the second time in his career, I believe. Anything you want to get into, JNT, before we dive into our first topic for this week? I think it was three times, just for ah, just to be okay. accurate, because he benched himself on C9 back in the day. Yes, yes, he did. Good, good little reminder there. All right, cool. so our first topic for today is about the broadcast over this weekend. We've been talking a lot about the LCS broadcast um, since the very start of this split. Some ups, some downs. What are your thoughts about this past week's broadcast? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, you know, the broadcast has been a hot topic for many of the weeks of, you know, the start of this LCS split. But it was just a little bit, uh, you know, as a few points just to make here. Because it seemed like the broadcast actually got a little bit worse in terms of the technical difficulties that we're encountering. But, you know, as we all know, it is a remote broadcast, so there are bound to be some problems. But it definitely was a little bit weird to see that the broadcast quality seemed to go down, actually, from week two to week three. There seems to be almost always um, some random cut during the draft phase where the screen will go black and then it'll get thrown back to the casters. And, you know, we when we were watching the broadcast, we both kind of noticed like the casters always seem like a little bit surprised and confused that it's just getting thrown back to them. But and then we had that whole probably freezing. I think that happened twice on the analyst desk and created a bit of a awkward like stall for a little bit but i don't know it's a remote broadcast there's bound to be some issues but it still seems that problems are continuing to arise on a weekly basis and i'm i'm very much in the same boat as you there where it's like it is frustrating to see but i think the realities become we're gonna have to expect this week in week out until they get back in the lcs studio which who knows when that's gonna be it's not gonna be this split or it's definitely not looking like it will and so, we ha- th- unfortunately, we, we're kind of stuck with this reality of uh, we're going to be dealing with this until 2021, maybe. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you know, based on the state of the world and COVID specifically in the United States, it definitely looks that way. Yeah, and li- like you were saying, I-, I also totally agree that despite it being not the most optimal, optimal um, environment for them to be doing the broadcast in, it's, you would still like to see some improvements week from week to week. And like you said, it did definitely get worse this week from the week before. But uh, I don't think we need to dwell on it too much. Anything else on our opening topic before we move on to our main topic? Or rather, not our main topic, but our little recap for this week. No, I think that's good. All right, let's jump right into it. Lots of interesting games this weekend. Some interesting in good ways, some interesting in bad ways. I'll let you start us off on what your takeaways were from the from week three matches. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely a lot of there were a lot of good games this week and, you know, kind of exciting matchups that, you know, kind of painted a little bit of a better picture in terms of the overall standing of all the teams on Friday Night League. We had a CLG versus FlyQuest and TL versus C9 sort of. In the TL versus C9 game, it was definitely C9's slowest game in terms of their early game, early game dominance. Uh, they didn't, you know, go off to a commanding start like we're, we seem to be accustomed to, but it ended up being a bit of a more slow, methodical game. But C9 was able to close it out, and they definitely, you know, looked to easily be the best team in the league. And, you know, even the broadcast was mentioning it. Like, is it too early to start talking about 18-0? and zero? We'll have to see. You know, obviously all the teams will improve over time, but 
at this point right now it doesn't kind of it doesn't seem like c9 can be touched and i think the biggest the, the biggest thing for me specifically about cloud nine over this past weekend was yeah they had a gold deficit at 15 that was the first time that we've seen that and it didn't feel like they were behind though that's the thing with this team is like they still ended up getting uh three drags by 18 minutes or whatever it was like they, they were in more than enough control despite the gold deficit that they were still pushing for Ocean, or not necessarily Ocean Soul. I don't remember what Drag Soul it was, but Dragon Soul at around the 20 to 25 minute mark, which is like unbelievable how they continue to do this game in, game out. Yeah, they just, they seem to be, you know, really the only team that just puts so much priority on the first dragon spawn and doing it as fast as possible. We constantly see C9 when five minutes, I don't, is it five minutes or six minutes? I think it's just five minutes. But when dragon spawns at five minutes, if you just take like, if you were to just take a snapshot of the map, you'll see Niski already has his lane shoved, Blabber's already on the bot side of the map, and bot lane usually always has its wave shoved. And you know, it's, it's kind of hard to contest. Like you kind of, you have to make this decision if you're the enemy team against C9 is, oh, are we gonna sack these mid and bot waves? And normally, when they're, they're shoving these waves, they're trying to stack waves in advance. So it's probably about two waves in bot lane and maybe one and a half waves in mid lane. So you kind of have to make this decision if, oh, are we going to just, you know, sack these waves and go contest drag? Or are we just going to lose the first drag? And, well, more... and the... Sorry, okay. go ahead. No, no go ahead. The, the biggest thing for me is that everyone in the world knows what's going to happen. It's not like the other teams are unaware that Cloud9 is going to the first drag as soon as it spawns. Everyone knows this is going to happen and they still don't have a defense for it. So that just goes to show just how far ahead C9 is. Everyone knows what they're going to do and they could still pull it off time and time again with ease too. It's not even like they, they don't even make it look difficult. Yeah, it just seems the recipe that C9 always likes to go for and it, it they haven't really strayed from it is just picking a strong mid jungle 2v2 and getting priority in your lanes and you know i don't think it's going to be very difficult to stop c9 if one you decide to take you know more of a backseat approach and pick a scaling comp and you're kind of just hoping that you can survive the early game and in most cases teams aren't we kind of saw that in the eg game last week where they you know eg picked like cassid in last pick into leeson karma you know karma a very lane dominant champion just by nature of the champion and leeson one of the most aggressive early game junglers in the game and it's kind of like nobody uh the only game that they've really been contested early game was the golden guardians game where golden guardians made a priority to be contesting mid shove but in every other game it just seems like teams are sacrificing their mid shove and they're just letting kind of c9 bully them around in the early game yeah, the other one thing that I wanted to touch on on C9, or my my last point anyways, is that we finally saw the Wukong. And not only was it good, it was easy. Like, yeah. they made that comp look so easy with the with the, um, the dive top. You had TF come up top. Like, it, it was like there was no... It, I, I've said it. It was easy. There was nothing to it. They just... They didn't even need to use it that often. Like, Licorice was already winning lane on his own. And then they used the dive once or twice in the top lane, which was, yeah, it was GG from that point. And we saw C9 put an absolute beating on Immortals. Yeah, it was funny. There were some tweets from, like, the Immortals players afterwards saying they got cyberbullied. So I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, 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 I did see those myself. And Lic Licorice definitely had, I think, his best week of LCS so far. They kind of, you know, it was honestly, that Immortals game was sort of the first game that C9 kind of put any resources top lane. So it was yeah. good to see Licorice had a you know, a good performance. He was playing the OP Wukong, and, you know, you know, like you said in the post-game interview, how that matchup Wukong versus Aatrox is, you know, it's a pretty, 
stale matchup unless there's like jungle intervention or resources put towards the lane and you know c9 kind of just played through that you know you saw like you said two quick tf alts plus wukong alt top lane and the game is pretty much over yep and then uh anything else on c9 before we move on to another team no they'll we'll have to see if you know the you know their last true test of the first round robin is tsm and they lost to tsm in the second round robin last split so they didn't get the 18 so we'll have to see how that match plays out yeah yeah for sure that should be one of the more hyped games that c9 has in the rest of their first half of the split speaking of tsm tsm looked i want to say good <laughs> one game not so good the other what are your thoughts on tsm over the over the last weekend yeah i mean i think tsm had a really good game against uh eg definitely one of their better performances this split but as you said, you know, one good, one bad. They had a bit of a banger game against Hunter T where, you know, Bjergsen had to result to the typical Bjergsen just randomly ending the game through backdoor to, you know, win the game. You know, it, it, that game specifically, Hunter Thieves versus TSM, was actually a really good game. You know, I thought Ryoma had one of the best games we've ever seen from him. He was, you know, he was doing a lot on the Azir, but uh, Hunter T kind of losing control of the game late in terms of their macro, and Bjergsen just walks into the base and hits the Nexus with Oriana, and the game's over. And th that game, to me, spoke to bad macro from both sides. 100 Thieves and TSM were not looking clean. The, the biggest thing about that game from TSM's point of, of view was just Doublelift getting overconfident. And like you said, Ryoma looked good on the Azir, and he punished Doublelift's overextension. Um, but that can't happen without Doublelift messing up first. And so... You you really gotta. I think Doublelift got a little uh, a test there for himself. He, he's got to be able to hold himself back in games that are clearly won. There's no need to try to style on someone, especially when you're a team that needs every win. TSM has not been the old version of TSM that we've seen for years and years. This is a team that needs their wins now, and um, there's no reason to be trying to style on anyone like Doublelift was there on the Callista going a little bit too ham, getting punished, which was the only reason why 100 Thieves had a chance of winning that game in the first place. Yeah, definitely, as you said, I think a lot of overconfidence by Doublelift in, you know, some of these later team fights in the game. I think he started out, I think his KDA, like, you know, maybe 20-something minutes into the game was like 5-1-4, and four, and then I think he ended the game 5-6-5-6 or six, five, and six, or something like that. So he had, he had many team fights where he was just instantly the first one to die, not dealing too much damage. And he went for the... He went for the I guess more you could, you could consider greedy Callista build, and that he went Blade of the Rune King into Ginsu's, and then Death Dance fourth item, as opposed to Blade of the Rune King, Runans, and then Death Dance third item. So, you know, definitely think it wasn't a clean game. You know, wasn't a clean game from Doublelift, and honestly, it wasn't a clean game from the majority of TSM minus Bjergsen and Biofrost. You know, Bjergsen kind of saving the game with his Oriana play, but you know, Biofrost was I think probably the only reason why TSM was in that game. You know, yeah, and... coming down to the later half, you know, he had a really good, uh, two really good hooks on Ryoma and Cody Sun in the TSM base, and I honestly kind of saved the game for them. Yeah, and not that. So I actually thought Doublelift played well in the early game. Oh, yeah, there was no I issues did, there. But late game, you just you know playing too overconfident. Yeah, and. Not that we don't want to see that, because let's be honest, that was a great game to watch, despite the game not being a high-quality game. It was one of the better games to watch this split. And the the last couple of things that I want to say on TSM from my side are um, that I enjoyed seeing TSM change things up. And, and to me, it shouldn't even be a change things up, but it kind of was going back to Bjergsen on LeBlanc, and they put... Um, 
uh, Broken Blade on Shen. This is like old version of TSM. I liked it um, because we haven't seen much, if any, Shen at all this split. Um, so I liked their their change of game play style. They didn't need to put Bjergsen on fiddlesticks anymore. Not that it was the worst, but it was pretty bad in one game specifically, that Syndra game. Um, but it was nice to see TSM go back to what I would call maybe an old style of putting the game in Bjergsen's hands. Yeah, it was definitely, as you mentioned, a really interesting draft. You know, this is the first Varus game, the, the, the super OP uh, poke lethality Varus. You know, TSM actually on red side decided to let through Varus. So Hunter T picked that up, but, you know, kind of some blunders in the early game from Hunter T, you know, deciding to split the map top side, having the Varus sit alone bot lane where he got his flash blown and then got dove. So, you know first game that we saw Varus wasn't the best showing from Cody's son because he was put behind so early. But, uh, you know, I think we still all recognize that Varus is a super strong champion, and I don't think we'll see too much of him moving forward. Yep, I, I agree. Uh, anything before we move on to our Golden Boys? Oh, the Golden Guardians. Uh, they're, uh, I think we're good. So, uh, Golden Guardians, they're definitely like a super, super interesting team. We saw we saw them lose to Immortals in their first game, but then end up beating FlyQuest. Uh in their second game and for me this team sort of gives me that feel where they play to the level of their opponents i think for sure from, from golden guardians some of the best games that we've seen from them being the c9 game and this most recent FlyQuest game you know they look so 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 much better than they do versus the games where you see like them versus immortals or them versus uh clg it just seems like this team, you know, when they're playing a good team, they play really well. And when they're playing a bad team, they're not playing well. And like I said, they kind of play to the level of their opponents. And, you know, that's not, it's definitely not what you want in terms of, like, consistency in the LCS. Yeah, I, I don't know what to think about this team anymore, man. Every time, like, there's games where they lose and you're just like, wow, they played like shit. And then there's games that they lose and you're like, that was a good loss, man. You guys look yeah. good losing out there. Like, I don't know what to think about this team. They they got a nice surprise win against FlyQuest this weekend. Although I, for FlyQuest, I didn't think they looked they they looked odd to me. Uh, I don't want to go too far into FlyQuest, but FlyQuest looked a little bit off. They looked a little lazy, uh, as I said earlier in the week. But with Golden Guardians, they seem to have that style where they want to keep split pushing. They keep having Demonte on the Twisted Fate, which I, I don't mind. I think Twisted Fate has shown to be very effective in the LCS. Yeah, they went for a uh, kind of similar comp that uh, Team Liquid did in the Team Liquid Dignitas game where they had Jace top lane and TF mid lane. And, you know, they kind of recognized uh, during the game that, hey, we're not going to win this game through team fighting and we should just full commit to the split push. So, you know, they definitely look to be a team that likes to play around the split push and the 1-3-1 style. We saw a 1-3-1 game from them very early on in the split when Golden Guardians played Dignitas. That was Demonte playing Echo. So, you know, this team giving some more different looks to the traditional uh, just 5v5 team fight it out kind of NA style. But, um, you know, it, like you said, it, it's really hard to, like, put this team. Like, it's it's hard to just rank this team because one week they'll look really good or one game of the week they'll look really good and then the next one they'll look really bad. And it's really difficult to rank a team when they're not consistent. And these guys, for me, they are the most difficult team for me to rank. Them, along with TSM, are the two teams that I have a hard time putting my finger on. But um, I don't got too much more to say about Golden Guardians. Do you have anything else before we move on to the next team? Nope. All right, Dignitas is next up on the list. Dignitas can still not win a game, but 
I think there's been a couple of good things to say about this team. Yeah, I think we this week we saw Lorlo come in for Viper. You know, Viper has not been playing well at all. Um, his first four games of the regular split were not very good. And then even in Academy, he was getting a little bit dumpstered. I don't know if uh, he had a Wukong game in Academy where he was like 0-5 by 12 minutes into the game. You could tell he was tilted. It, it yeah. didn't look like it didn't look like the Viper that we've seen over the past year or so. Yeah, but Lorlo coming in, I think Lorlo actually had two pretty good games and two losing efforts. But I think he was actually doing a pretty good job. Um, you know, honestly, the the Achilles heel for Dignitas uh, this iteration at least seems to be Acadian. Um, he had he didn't. I don't know. He, he just he seems to be not on the same page with the rest of Dignitas. He's constantly getting caught out. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see Dardock coming in this week. And I'm looking to see Dardock come in this week as well. I don't want to just dogpile on top of Acadian, but like you said, there have been things that you could just tell that he ain't quite right, especially when he was on Olaf and he was in the Baron pit there. And everyone in the world knows that a hook is coming. And yeah. of course, he gets hooked out of the pit. Like, oh my gosh, man. And now we have to remember like what we see from, from the broadcast is not what the players see, right? There's fog of war. But any player in that game should know there's a blitz crank on the other side. If you're a pro, that's something you should know. There's a blitz crank on the other side and I don't want to get hooked. And that that to me was very uh, bronze of him, if if I do say so. And like you also like we mentioned last week, Froggen hasn't been too great either. Um, one player that I do want to talk about though is Afro. I thought Afro had a really good week. He's looking good on that thresh down there in the bot lane. Not too much to complain about when it comes to uh, Dignitas with uh, Afro and Ya Boy Johnson. Yeah, I think you know Dignitas bot lane has actually been playing pretty well. Johnson definitely is the best player on that team, and Afro seems to be stepping up his game a little bit. And you know they look really good together. And I think if they can sort of you know if they can get this roster right with, you know, Dardot coming in, you know, and even potentially a different mid laner coming in, because as you said, I don't think Froggen's having the best split either, but I think there are definitely some bright spots for this Dignitas roster. And if they can sort of, you know, figure it together and maybe get their mojo, you know, they can potentially make a push for playoffs as eight teams make playoffs this split, but we'll get into more of that later. And the, the last thing that I want to say about this Dignitas team is that this is probably the most hope I've ever had for an O and six or an O and anything team, you know, for a winless team after three weeks, it's, it's definitely not looking good. Let's not pretend that they're looking like a great team, but there's been a lot of times where I see no hope for any team and I, I can see some hope for them to scrape out a few wins this split. I could see them getting three or four wins. Yeah, I mean, they at least from my standards, they look a little more hopeful than 100 Thieves or potentially Immortals. But again, we'll, we'll get into that later. Yep. And last up on our... Oh, go ahead. I, yeah, I was just going to intro it. But the last team that we have on our takeaways yep. for this week is CLG. CLG still sitting towards the top of the standings. There's a big clump of teams uh, tied at 4-2, and two, uh, CLG being one of them. Um, you know, they're still picking up some wins despite their honestly and in, in both of our opinions lackluster play and i think both of us are till, still hesitant to put clg up in this you know four and two category sure they are four and two but i don't think they're definitely of the same uh skill of the other four and two teams like FlyQuest, like team liquid like eg and even tsm and I, I try not to tunnel vision too hard on this team being a bad team it's something that i really want to be careful about doing because 
yes, I do think that they're a bad team still. They are 4-2. and two. They, That means they're not the worst team. That's what that means to me. They are about to be tested big time with their schedule coming up. We got Cloud9 into TSM, into Team Liquid, into EG. Pretty much the best four teams in the league. Maybe you could throw FlyQuest in there, of course. So four of the best five, for sure, teams in the league uh, that CLG is going to have to play against. And I, I guess I will be able to say that maybe this team is a good team, or at least a decent team, if they manage to take any wins out of these next four games. Yeah, I think we're all under the assumption that they're going to take a loss to C9. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you know, we'll get a we'll get a better picture of what CLG looks like. I think after this, these uh, these Team Liquid and EG matches for sure. And I look at the the thing is though for me is when I look at these four teams that they're about to play against. Like I said, they got C9, TSM, TL, EG. I can't picture which one they're going to beat. Like in my mind, it's clear that. All of those teams, if, if I were to take them against CLG, spoiler alert for the end of the show, I'm taking the other team. <laughs> so, um, should be interesting though. I do know that after those four games, they got a little bit of an easier schedule, but it's hard to look three weeks in advance when you got four of the top five teams in the league that you have to face, especially after TSM looked pretty good in one of their games this weekend. Could have looked good in both. So, um yeah, I'm a little bit worried about CLG. I'll refrain from getting too far ahead of myself, though, for now. Yeah, and I think that's sort of our, you know, those are sort of our main takeaways uh, from week three. But, you know, also we wanted to take a bit of a deeper dive into, you know, the two of the more talked about teams this week, uh, 100 Thieves and Immortals. First, we're going to start off with uh, 100T, but I think the big news coming out uh, last night was that uh, contracts and Poom. Let's hope we have this name right. This guy's sort of an unknown name, but you know, <laughs> two substitutions coming in for the hundred T side. Medios out, contracts in Poom in stunt out. So, uh, what do you think about these uh, two new players coming in for hundred T? I so I love it and I hate it, and there's a few reasons for each. I love it because I think one hundred thieves has looked. Like, definitely one of the worst teams in the league this split. It's very, to me, it's very obvious that they are 8, 9, or 10 at the end of the split. Um, I think Medios has probably looked as bad as I've ever seen him. Um, and I, I love Medios, and that's why I hate it. But I love it um, because I do think it's time for a little bit of a change. It's been a while since we've seen contracts play uh, in, in, in the LCS, so I'm, I'm interested to see, like, what kind of contracts we see. It's been a while. And as far as Poom goes, I think this one is really interesting. Um, first of all, Stunt has been, in my opinion, I think Stunt has been the worst player in the LCS so far this split. I, um, Ika? Yeah, I would still say Stunt. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. And what's interesting mostly about this is that Poom tweeted out himself in reply like i was like an amateur a month and a half ago so he goes from amateur to academy to starting in the lcs all within the span of a month and a half as he puts it so to me that's really interesting and i i mean if there's a time to be nervous it's now right um however i i hope that he doesn't feel too nervous i hope that pe people do give him benefit of the doubt and you know take it easy on what is a new na talent um, I'm really interested to see what we get out of him uh, alongside uh, Cody Sun. 
Yeah, I think one of the really good things that I like to see is definitely fresh faces coming into the LCS. Um, you know, Contracts, he's still a relatively young player. I know he's he's been in Academy for the last, I think, year. I think he, he was on he was on Golden Guardians after his time on C9 and then Academy thereafter, I think, in Season 9 and the start of Season 10. But, you know, he, in, in terms of LCS games and LCS, you know, play, he's definitely still more of a newer player. A bit of a more known quantity than Poom, but I think it's good to see two fresh faces. And, you know, Poom, I believe uh, he's on the 100T uh, trainee team, which I think is called 100X. I'm not exactly sure about that, but I think it's called 100X. And I know they they play in various uh, like semi-pro tournaments and whatnot. But uh, good to see a fresh face, and I, I, I'd much rather him than Stunt be in. So. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it's to the point where you got to try to make something happen. Things are going your way. Try to shake things up. So I'm totally cool with that substitution. Uh, moving on to Medios and his benching, what do you think about how he took to Twitter, and what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it was, I'm just going to, I'm going to pull up some of these tweets here. One of them was a screenshot of uh, his first tweet, but the rest were Reddit comment, or the rest I found in the Reddit post about his benching, because the tweets have since been deleted, all four of these tweets, actually. But uh, just to read them out for you guys here, uh, first tweet was, this is going to sound like a troll post, but I just got word that I'm being benched after week three summer split again, XD. Not sure why I expected anything different. And then to follow up with that other tweet, it's pretty weird to hear the players on my team didn't know about or agree with the decision. All credit goes to at Zix, at Jungle Juice, and at Papa Smithy. Clearly, clearly the people not on the team uh, know what's best for it. So just just to lead off with those first two tweets, because those kind of those tweets first came in before the before the next two. But oh my God, like obviously Medios is upset about his benching, but you know it's kind of the word about all of this was just how, you know, just unprofessional and kind of childish this was to, you know, at your own coaching staff after being benched. What do you think about that? So I have two ways of looking at this. One, this is the way he did it last time as well. And like, it's hard for me because I'm a huge Medios fan. It's hard for me to see him take such a an immature approach to all this. But the other way I look at it, is this is not the first time 100 Thieves has had issues with notifying their players about what's going on or even just being straight with the public. This is like, this is exactly what happened the last time they benched. I think it was Cody Sun and, and maybe it was Medios alongside him a couple of years ago. So to me, it goes. it's a little disappointing to see that the organization hasn't learned from this to be able to sit down with the players and say, look, this is what we're going to do. Like, I, I, don't, I don't like to... I don't want to defend the way Medios is going about this. I don't think he should ever go to Twitter, but I do understand his frustration. Yeah, I mean, I can completely understand that he's frustrated and he's venting on Twitter, but I don't. I think it's really, it's just really inappropriate and immature to be, you know, adding your own coaching staff in these very passive-aggressive tweets. You know, as as you mentioned, you know, Hunter T, you know, they did have some previous issues with clarity in terms of their fans and their players about the benching. But I think for this one, in terms of like just in comparison to the last one, you know, I think it's fairly obvious uh, the reasoning for Medios' benching. And at least in terms of public perception, a lot of people understand it. So while I can, I, I can get behind him in the fact that obviously he's going to be frustrated and he's venting a little bit, I do think that... Um, you know, 
hundred T is obviously if 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 it's actually true that none of the other players on the starting roster were you know involved in this conversation, obviously that's very bad, and it's kind of surprising honestly from people like Zix and Papa Smithy, who I think are two really well respected um, uh, figures in the league community. It's a bit surprising that they didn't consult the rest of their team, but I don't think Medios can actually really question. Um, the reasoning behind his benching, even though he obviously feels like he's a very integral part of this team, and you know it, it's difficult to play with the team performing so poorly. Yeah, I totally agree. Like the the benching is absolutely warranted. He has looked the worst I have ever seen him. So I, that I have no issue with. Uh, again, I do think that 100 Thieves as an organization could have gone about it a different way, but there's there's no need to take to Twitter for this. And what's interesting to me is I think that this could be a sign that this is the last time we see Medios in a 100 Thieves jersey in the LCS. Now, I'm not saying that's what will happen, but it's very possible because he already had his first chance with the org a couple of years ago and things didn't go too well and the way he handled getting benched wasn't too good. And now he goes and does it a second time on Twitter again, calling out the coach and calling out the all the staff. That's not the way you go about it. And so to me, I don't think you get any more chances with this uh, with the same work, so it wouldn't surprise me if we don't see Medios starting in the LCS for 100 Thieves ever again. Yeah, just to just to now look at the other two tweets that he sent out a little bit later of last night after these first two and had been deleted, but I can see why people are calling me unprofessional for my tweets. Not really sure how else to express my anger about the situation. Sucks to be scapegoated after the amount of effort I put into the team. I never cared much about my stats, and I've always put my teammates in good situations. Of course, my stats will not look good if we aren't winning. Yeah, but yeah. so... Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so for me, it's... It, it feels to me like he feels like this is a unique situation to him. Like, he is not the first player to be benched and also feel like they're still deserving of their spot. Like, that's just natural to have confidence in yourself and to feel like, you know, you're putting in all this effort into your team. I'm sure everyone else that gets benched is also putting effort into their team. So uh, to me, this seems very much of a, he's playing the victim here. It's not, he's not a victim here. That It's business. This is how the LCS works. You want to play in the LCS? You got to start winning some games and they're not winning games. He's not looking good. He's, he's definitely looking like a big part of the reason they're losing. And so f for those reasons, I, I'm more so on the side of the organization than I am the player here. Yeah, I think... I'm, I'm definitely on the side of the organization here. I think Medios, like, exactly like you said, he's kind of playing the victim here. And it's pretty rare, actually, to see uh, these kinds of players taking to Twitter and, you know, calling out their organization or calling out people within the organization um, about the decisions that they're making. I mean, you can even just look back to as recent as Immortals uh, starting their entire Academy lineup at the start of the split. You know, we didn't really hear any word from... Uh, or not starting their entire academy roster, I mean, sorry, at the start of the split when they subbed in Potluck, Alltech, and Gate to pair along with Soaz and Ika. But, you know, we didn't really hear any word from Xmithy, Apollo, or Hakuho, but, you know, they've kind of stayed quiet, put their heads down, and continued to work hard, and, you know, part of it all is due to Immortals' failures, but they're they're back in now, and, you know, there was a, an Xmithy interview uh, on Travis Gafford's channel that both of us just watched before, uh, the start of this episode but he was when when he found out that he was getting benched you know he he was of the mindset that he needs to put his head down and work harder to get a spot back and you know in this case medios you know seems to be playing victim and you know crying on twitter it seems so 
I'm definitely on the org side here, and you know, I do agree with you. I think this could be the last time we see Medios in a 100T jersey. Yeah, and that leads perfect right into our next topic, which is Immortals this past week firing their GM and their head coach. Any thoughts on any of the latest things coming out of the Immortals squad? Yeah, I mean, it was early. I think it was right after um, week two. Uh, it was announced that Immortals was letting go of Zabutin, their head coach, and Keaton, their general manager. And then the word came in, I think, on it was either Wednesday or Thursday, so about two to three days later, that they were going to be starting their entire academy roster in place of the LCS roster. And yeah, so so just to, to clarify, in that Xmithy interview, he did say it was on Wednesday night. I believe he said that the academy team was given the option to play because he, he talked about it as if like they weren't sure if they were going to play academy and LCS this week, but ultimately they decided to say that they would play both is what it sounded like in the interview. Yeah, um, so yeah. so they got the word you know later in the week in terms of they were going to get the call up to play their LCS games and they ended up playing excuse me, they played their uh, academy games and their LCS games. And, you know, it, it was, an, it was I guess, you, you have to say it was Immortals' best week because they won a game. But, you know, as we said before, they got dominated by C9 and we saw sort of a lackluster Golden Guardians in which Immortals was was able to take the win. And, you know, they're currently sitting at 1-5 and five in the standings right now, not in last place, uh, thanks, to the, thanks to Dignitas. But... I mean, a win's a win. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how their roster plays out in terms of what combination of players they're going to continue to move with. I think it was pretty clear that um, the former starting bot lane in Alltech and Gate were uh, not performing well, including Ika wasn't playing too well. And to be honest, I think Potluck was actually their best performing player uh, on Immortals, or one of their best performing players. And, you know, obviously it, it's, it's a difficult situation when you have Smithy behind you because he's one of the most tenured players in LCS and, you know, had just got off of winning four championships with Team Liquid. So we'll, we'll have to see what, you know, what, what, what the roster looks like next week and moving forward. And the, the interesting thing to me was that they put to, to bed the, the rumors about Smithy showing up to, to practice intoxicated. Apparently that is not true and that those were nothing but rumors. And so you really got to wonder what the decision-making was to sit all of these players that you know are LCS caliber, especially Xmithy. I could understand going with Alltech and Gate. While I don't agree with it, I could understand it. Uh, the, the fact that they sat them for one week, they sat them for two weeks, it, it made no sense to me. And I'm really happy for this Immortals squad and for Immortals fans because getting that one win already shows improvement. And the fact that you have three players that have had a decent history in the past with, like, Apollo Hakuo have been always okay. They've never been anything amazing in the LCS, but we know that Xmithy has been probably the best jungler NA has ever seen. It gives hope to to Immortals fans and to the Immortals players that they don't have to finish ninth or 10th and they can make playoffs this split. Um, another thing that I want to talk about is with the firing of the coach and the GM, the people taking place um, is something that's a little bit interesting to me. Um, Smithy spoke how spoke on how it was some of the academy coaching staff that would be taking over for their squad, and there was also talk that um, the 
Oh boy, the uh, the Overwatch team, the LA, uh, I don't know what their team is, the, oh, the Los yeah. Angeles team, their GM will be taking over the GM position for Immortals. So that was something that was a little bit interesting to me, not necessarily in a good way. I, I, I don't know if there's ever a, um, a way to make this situation good because you don't really have any backup GMs just hanging around for LCS. But um, it's interesting, the moves that they made. Um, I think it gives a little bit of hope for this team. Yeah, definitely is difficult to, you know, find out-of-house replacements for head coach and GM, you know, midway through this split. You know, as, as you mentioned, they have some, some people not necessarily within the direct Immortals League of Legends organization uh, coming in to also give some assistance to some of the, you know, the, the strategic coach and, you know, the assistant coaches. But we'll have to see how they perform and what the roster looks like. I think there's a little bit, there's a little bit of hope. Uh, for this roster now with Xmithy coming back in. I mean, just like you said, it was kind of baffling, honestly, when Xmithy wasn't a part of the starting roster. He's He's been one of the better LCS, one of the best or better LCS players, you could say, of all time. And it was just really confusing uh, to hear about his benching in the first place. But, you know, anything else you got about Immortals? Yeah, a, a couple of things. I, I do want to talk about oh, yeah. um, how all there was a bunch of flame for Aka as soon as the, the coaching staff were let go. Um, a little bit unfortunate that we had to see it come from other LCS players as well, with Solo tweeting out, you know, that Aka should be worried about his job and whatnot. While I understand that you want to be active on social media as a player, you want to grow your own personal brand and stuff like that, there's ways of doing that without tearing others down. And it did actually cross the line to me of what we consider cyberbullying, right? And I was really, really happy to see Broxa stand up for Aka. I think that the more we hear about Broxa, the more you hear that he's just an absolute professional. And you, I really gain a lot of respect for Broxa since he's been uh, part of the LCS. Just a, a totally nice guy. And it's good to see that... Um, He's standing up for his fellow players, even if they're not on his team. Yeah, there, there's sort of there, there's been this, I guess, storyline built in that Ika only got his job in his, his starting position in the LCS due to him being French and his relationship with Zaboutine also being French. But I do remember, I, I this was in an in involvement with Ika being on Twitter, uh, but he originally said that um, he only had one interview with mm -hmm. immortals and then he was pretty much offered the starting role which i thought was actually a little bit interesting and you know even a little bit concerning honestly that an organization is willing to pick up a player for their starting position after only one interview and one conversation so hearing that was a little bit surprising to me and we're going to talk about we're going to talk a little bit uh just in a little bit about you know uh, the lcs talent versus academy talent but you know I just thought yeah. it was super interesting that, you know, a guy was able to get a starting spot in the LCS after only having one conversation with the team. And it, it brings into question, what are these other teams doing when they're scouting for players? And how, yeah. how are other teams bringing in uh, different talent from around the world or even just within NA? I wonder what the scouting process is like. It certainly brings that to light. The last thing that I wanted to talk about on Immortals is what is their next move if any, do they have any other moves? The the one thing that comes to mind for me is um, we're looking at Insanity, who's looked okay, considering he hasn't had too much time in the LCS. However, very much unproven, and so you have to wonder, what if things don't work out for Insanity? And then what, do you go back to Aka? I don't think you do. 
Um, but if it's your only option, you have to. And then it brings into question, well, there's golden glue that's available. And we've seen lots of golden glue over the years. You know what you're getting with him. You're, you're not getting anything amazing. But maybe it's worth that consideration of picking up a guy like golden glue to have in your back pocket. Yeah, I mean, definitely interesting to see, you know, how these bottom teams sort of manage to, you know, make some changes and see how those changes affect the rest of the standings moving forward. Yep, yep, yep. Should be interesting um, for both of those teams that we just talked about. 100 Thieves making some moves, Immortals making some moves. Really interesting, really looking forward to see how these te two teams uh, pan out over the next few weeks, or just the rest of the split, really. Uh, diving into our last, second last, I should say, topic of the week, uh, we're going to talk about the potential Kespa Cup idea over in NA and talk a little bit about how Treats and LS... Um, Talked a little bit about the academy scene in North America, and that is our academy dilemma. Nolan, I'll let you start us off with this one. Yeah, I mean, there was, after uh, this week of LCS specifically, you know, there's a lot of talk after the Immortals versus Golden Guardians game, where we saw Immortals take their first win, fielding their entire academy roster. There was a lot of talk in the scene about, you know, the utilization of the academy scene and academy players, and a lot of these veteran LCS players basically just continuing to hold on to their spots despite poor play and you know we saw uh, there was ls and treats uh, ls you know a very famous league personality and treats uh an academy player i believe he's still on tsm i don't i don't think he's on a different team but i think he's still on tsm he's there i think support. he's still on tsm yeah yeah their support player but uh ls had this idea of creating a kespa cup tournament style in NA and for those who don't know what Kespa Cup is, Kespa Cup is a tournament that's held over in Korea, which is a tournament that includes all 10 LCK teams. It includes the top, I believe it's the top six uh, challenger teams from Korea and then the winners from the challenger qualifying series as well as top, the top two teams from two amateur leagues. I believe that's how it works. So in total, 20 teams, 10 of those being the top LCK teams, the, the ones in the LCK, obviously, um, all of the uh, LCK challenger teams, and then two, uh, four qualifying teams, some of those coming from the LCK, the challenger scene qualifier, and then two of them coming from amateur tournaments. So kind of an idea uh, in North America to kind of promote and give the academy scene some more competition, like... I think it's. I, mm -hmm. I think the idea is a good idea, just for the fact that cr it creates more competition and can give some of these academy players some, you know, some real test against these LCS level teams. But I, I think it's a super interesting idea. Um, I think looking forward, though, it, you know, maybe that's not an idea that would come to fruition anytime soon, but definitely could be something, you know, to look forward to maybe making or look forward to doing in the future. And to me, it, like you said, it's, maybe it doesn't happen soon, but it does need to start with, you know, people that have a solid voice in the league community to start talking about these kinds of things, like LS. Like, that guy is very influential. He knows his stuff. And so when a guy like LS comes forward and brings an idea like this, people are going to talk about it. And I personally hope to see it happen. I'm sure you do as well. Uh, you and I, we just want more content, right? The more content yeah. there is, the, the better. I would love to absolutely, I would absolutely love to see it. Um, the few hesitations that I have, though, one of them being, what's the incentive for pro players to want to play in this, right? Like, let's say you don't have any money to play for, and now you're just playing for pride. Well, 
as far as people are concerned right now, you're already better than all those academy teams. So where's the incentive for you to play? You only have something to lose. You don't have anything to win there. So to me, there, there's that issue, and maybe they have some monetary compensation that um, happens for the Kespa Cup. I'm not too sure. Maybe you have a little bit of insight on that. However, that's one of my reservations. The other is Korea is very much a different region than NA, uh, and we know that the talent pool in Korea is better and probably much more worthy of having uh, a Kespa Cup kind of tournament. I'm not convinced that the competition would be very close here in NA. I think it's already pretty obvious. Um, well, maybe not this split, but it was already very obvious last split who was going to win finals. I think it would be the same thing of who's going to win the NA version of Kespa Cup. One thing that I do think is a little bit underrated in terms of Kespa Cup, and I think a lot of the, you know, a lot of the reasons why these LCK teams, I think, uh, are very involved within this tournament, and I think a lot of them like this tournament, is that it's held right before the start of Spring Split. So usually this tournament takes place uh, towards the end of 2019, you know, after Worlds, and after they've moved on from the Worlds patch, and they're usually caught up in sort of the preseason patch, or maybe the first patch of the preseason patch, or right before they get into the start of the regular season. But I think a lot mm -hmm. of these LCK teams use it as good practice for the start of the season i think there's a lot of teams that and specifically in na that they might not take their their first few weeks or you know they might not take their first few weeks as serious or maybe start up their scrims a lot later totally than agree other teams but i think uh it's really good for teams and even these academy teams to just get some practice early on in the season and in a new patch um, in stage games because i think there's there's a big discrepancy between you know, solo queue and scrims as opposed to stage games. So I think from adding this kind of a tournament, I think it can only be beneficial. Uh, maybe, you know, some teams might not see it as beneficial. The top teams, like maybe C9, doesn't think it's, you know, worth their time because they feel like they might stomp everybody. But who knows? We never really know what the landscape of the scene is going to be towards the end of the year. Maybe teams have really caught up to C9 or, or teams are starting to perform a lot better. And, you know, it, there's, there's nothing wrong with getting extra practice in before the start of a season. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think teams are very slow to start in LCS, and so I think this is actually a perfect, um, I, yeah, I'll say fix. I think it's a it's a fix for that uh, kind of mentality and that slow getting into things. Um, so that's something that I'm, I am really interested in. However, like you mentioned, who knows when or if this will happen. Um, however, let's talk a little bit about the little graphic that you pulled up right there. Uh, explain to our listeners, people who aren't, uh, necessarily watching explain to them what you got pulled up and what it all means yeah so just the list that i pulled up it was it was the top comment on this reddit post that i'm referring to with ls and treats talking about this kespa cup style tournament but basically this graphic just sort of shows uh the the mo the longest tenured academy players and you know what their how many games they've played what their win record and and kda looks like but it's just this list is primarily just of all the, I guess you could say, the top academy players and, you know, how they're looking. I think some of the ones to take note of, um, as it kind of as it says, holy shit on the side, is uh, a Shoryu on TL, uh, playing 73 regular season academy games with a almost 62% win rate and a 5.23 KDA, as well as Diamond, uh, the support for C9's academy team, with 54 regular season games in academy with an 80% win ratio and a 5.0 KDA, but uh, kind of treats is just trying to shed some light here on, you know, these top Academy players and, you know, believes they believes that these top Academy players should deserve some of these starting spots over these, you know, 
declining LCS pros in his in his tweets he specifically said Immortals Academy is currently three and three in Academy and just took their first win in LCS. Hopefully this opens opens some eyes about Academy versus LCS quality right now. Only the top LCS teams are better than Academy teams despite what the public thinks. Wish there was a tournament to showcase. And then another tweet uh, after that. Because LCS players that don't deserve to play, they are scared to lose their spot and wouldn't want this type of tournament. Uh, and yeah, so just kind of shedding some light on these top Academy players and think that, you know, this Kespa Cup style tournament would be good for them to showcase their skills against these LCS teams. And so for me, the way I look at this is I do agree with treats in the sense that there are some players in Academy or maybe even just some teams that are will are, are worthy of playing in the LCS. Um, that is, it's, it's easy to say before actually seeing it. Um, and while those KDAs and win rates look good, those are still Academy win rates and KDAs, right? Uh, the ones that do stand out, the ones that are, you know, with holy shit next to them, those do, you know, mean something. However, I don't think that using Immortals Academy is a good example because these are all players, maybe not all players, mostly players that have played in the LCS for a long time, right? With Xmithy, that is not an Academy player. Apollo Hawkwood, those are not Academy players in my eyes. So while I do agree with him, I, I don't think the team he chose to use as an example of an Academy team beating an LCS team, I don't... That, to me, was an LCS team against another LCS team. Yeah, and, and even just as you mentioned that, you know, Immortals, this roster that they most recently field, it has... What we what we both think are three LCS level players. In the same sense, you can also turn to a team like Dignitas, who have been you know they're signing and even fielding these academy players in LCS. So I do think it's a bit of a it's we're only kind of looking at. I mean, Treats is only talking about one end of the spectrum here, and it, it's he's talking about the worst performing LCS team, which was Immortals at the time. And, uh, you know, other teams are talking about Dignitas, who, again, are one of the worst performing NA teams. But while I completely understand uh, his take, and I do recognize that there are some very great Academy talents uh, in Academy that should probably garner some LCS spots, I do think it's a little it's a little quick to just jump into saying that all these Academy teams are of equal skill or are just under the skill of these bottom tier LCS teams or even mid tier LCS teams, they say. Yeah, I, I've been watching, and I, I don't know if you have as well, I've been watching some of these Academy games, man, and they look to me to be very much not on the same level of LCS play. And I think that's really saying something, especially this split. Um, well, maybe not this split, but this year, whereas uh, the LCS to me has looked the worst uh, it's ever looked, honestly, or, or maybe in a long time, let's say that. Um, so the fact that there's a clear distinction in my eyes of what a, an LCS team looks like and what an Academy team looks like this year, while L LCS is, quote myself, the worst it's looked, I think that speaks a little bit uh, to maybe a disparity in, um, in skill level. Yeah, I think, I think one thing that is super interesting when you take a look at this graphic is specifically C9 Diamond. Um, he's been on C9's Academy team, I think, since Season 8. Maybe it was season. Maybe it's been since season nine, but I'm pretty sure it's been since season eight. And honestly, not I think, sure. I think he's he's in my opinion he's an LCS level support. I know he got offers, uh, to sign with Optic at the time, uh, back in I think it was in between, uh, in between spring and summer for season nine. I remember there were rumors of he was getting offers to uh, go to Optic, and I think Optic was trying to buy out his contract from 
from C9. But one thing that I think is super interesting, and you know, C9 is always at the forefront of this conversation in terms of academy and academy talent, because we've seen them, you know, them they're willing to part ways with uh, these more expensive players and bring up these lesser known players. Like uh, after when season seven ended, they let go of Impact and TL got a, on this reported the rumored million dollar contract and put Licorice in, and he's pretty much turned into the best top laner in the league. You can argue that. Uh, you know, in some cases, you know, last what there was argument that someday was better than him, but I think he's the consensus best top laner uh, in the league. And players like Agreed. Blabber, you know, Sven Skarin voicing his displeasure with C9, and C9 rather uh, stick with C9 would rather put in Blabber and trade Sven Skarin away to EG. And one thing that I think, you know, C9 they're really savvy about is holding on to these academy players and getting the most like bang for their buck in terms of, you know, knowing when to make these various roster moves. And honestly, I think C9 is probably just waiting for some team to come with them to, to this, you know, with a King's Ransom to try to buy out Diamond. I think I think that's what their plan is, and that's what they're doing. It's, it's very possible. We've known that C9 is almost always on the winning side of deals um, for the, I don't know, for the past, I don't even know how long, a long time. Um, with this talk about Academy, I think it's worth bringing up the last point here, whereas CLG Weldon wants to move Academy. Yeah, CLG Weldon wants to... He wants to make a little shake-up in North America, and he wants to separate North America into NA West and NA East. I'll let you read the tweet, Nolan, and get your thoughts on that. Yeah, so I think this tweet came out right after uh, the Sunday games last night, but it says, uh, we really need an NA East and an NA West. Let's set up the conference system already. Just move Academy to New York City and rename it NA East. Let's have East versus West throughout the year. It's crazy that New York City isn't an eSports hub. Um, disregarding the last point, because it it's not really valid to our conversation, but this, this is, oh man, this is part of the reason why I... I find it difficult to think that CLG is in good hands and is as good as they think they seem to say that they are, because it's just really crazy to me that Weldon thinks that we have enough talent to make a sustainable and like a quality league if we were to just insert ten more leagues in ten more teams into the league. It, it's just crazy to me. You know, as we, we, we both talk about uh, off stream and in our own time, but the LCS currently is finding it difficult to field 10 LCS quality rosters. We have three teams in Dignitas, Immortals, and 100T that look really, really bad. And, you know, we're, we're trying to find some points of hope for them in terms of these new players coming in, but they look like academy level teams. And I, I don't think it would be beneficial to the league to add in ten more teams of ten more teams of lesser quality that would just make you know some of these games to watch even worse. I completely agree, and it also makes you wonder. There's ten organizations that signed up for franchising under ten teams. They did not agree to play with twenty teams in North America. They agreed to pay their fee to be part of a ten-team system. To me, like this seems like the you're making you're trying to to put esports over in New York just for the sake of wanting esports yeah. uh, to be a, a just for wanting New York City to be an esports hub. Th that is not how you go about things. I want Toronto to be an esports hub, but guess what? It doesn't make sense to throw ten teams over there. And like you said, we can't field ten 
good teams in NA to begin with. Why are we going to have 20 teams? This blows my mind that this is someone who's coaching an LCS team. I think Weldon has completely lost it here. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think one point that people were also making uh, on Twitter and on Reddit about this post specifically is that the LCS only just recently announced that they are now profitable, um, as well as there are many other organizations that uh, have said that their LCS teams and their involvement in LCS is also not even profitable for them. So I think it's kind of crazy to think that we would just be able to create uh, these 10 additional spots with all this infrastructure in New York and not expect another huge like uh, dip in terms of profitability and sustainability for the LCS. I think it, it just it doesn't make any sense. Um, maybe like the, this is something that I could only even like think about uh, getting put in place would be like 10 years down the line. Like I, yeah. I, this is this this idea. While I think it could be a good idea if we had the money and the quality of games and the player base, I think it would be a great idea. But I don't think it's feasible. I don't think it's realistic. And for anything, it wouldn't happen for another ten years, in my opinion. Well, and to me, it, it's like okay, I, the sentence. Let's set up the conference system already. Like he's been waiting for it or something. And to me, there's so many ifs that need to be put in place. If this, if that, if this, if that then we can do it and so that's where i'm with you it's like if this is going to happen it's not happening anytime soon because it makes no sense mind games weld and stop it with your mind games bro i'm lost over here <laughs> yeah weldon weldon's lost it a little bit he's off his goop i don't know what to say yeah anything else uh, on the academy before we finish off the week with our picks for this coming up week um uh oh i saw something pretty funny actually uh dom was i will dominate i was watching one of his co-streaming uh highlights and he was basically he this was right after he was discussing the the medios benching and contracts coming in and he basically just threw a clip on his stream of some of the plays that contracts has been making in academy and they're not that good so I, okay. I, I don't think the quality of Academy is that good. I know at the top end, maybe it's decent, but I, the overall quality of Academy is not that great. As you said yourself, you're watching some games. We saw Viper running it down 05 in 12 minutes. In a... Yeah. Let's just Here, here's, on. Okay, say something. Here's my issue. Yeah, here's my issue with, with Dom showing that. Uh, I, I've seen lots of his content over the years, and the, the issue that I have with Dom saying something is that... So maybe... There has been nothing but bad plays when it comes to contracts. But I know that if there's been some good plays and some bad plays, Dom's going to just show you the bad plays. So while I, I do think that there's maybe he's being totally genuine and what he's seen from Academy and from, you know, I, he's the kind of guy to me that's going to only show you one side of, of the story. So I, I don't want to put too much thought into what Dom has to say. However, I can't sit here and act like I can ignore that there's a bunch of bad plays made from contracts. It's definitely something that's going to be in my mind going into the next week of play. Yeah, and next week of play, good little segue there. Uh, we're going to get into our picks uh, for the week four games. So starting out Friday, uh, first game of the day, uh, 100T versus Golden Guardians, another Friday Night League banger hype matchup. This is why we made Friday Night League, to watch Golden Guardians versus 100 Thieves. Um, honestly, it's going to be an interesting game, Golden Guardians, as we are kind of talking about before. They kind of play to the level of their opponent. And 100 Thieves is going to be the first game with their new roster of contracts and Poom. 
but I'm still gonna go with Golden Guardians. You know what? I, I'm looking at this game, and I there's I see scenarios where 100 Thieves comes out on top. You know, it's like there's a fresh start, sort of. You get that feeling when you got new players coming in. Golden Guardians, we don't know what to expect out of this team anymore. So I'm, I'm back and forth on it. I got to go with Golden Guardians, though, just because. No balls. I, I, I can't go with 100 Thieves on this one, whereas I don't see the replacements for the players they're putting in to be anything amazing. Um, while I am still happy with the changes, I'm not optimistic about them because I, I don't, yeah, there's just, I'm not seeing too much with contracts and boom, golden guardians for me. Uh, next game, C9. C9. Okay, go next. next. Uh, TSM versus golden guardians. Another more interesting matchup. Like, like we said, we both don't exactly know where to peg these teams in terms of their overall skill level. Um, definitely an interesting game. I think there's kind of a big jungle gap, honestly, in this game with Closer and Spica. I know Spica has actually been, he's been playing pretty well, but I think a lot of it is due to the fact of Bjergsen and kind of really helping him out in terms of the mid 2v2 and Closer, the best, pretty much the best player on Golden Guardians right now. And, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to see some good picks out of Closer. And I do think this is actually going to be a very interesting matchup, but I am going to stick with TSM, uh, just overall, I think they're their roster in comparison to the golden guardians roster i think bot and top specifically i think hanser's had a fairly lackluster split this split i think he's actually kind of not, he's not really talked about in terms of having a bad split but i don't think he's been having a great split at all i agree and, uh, i think double lift and biofrost over fbi and who he is is pretty obvious to me even though i think fbi is actually pretty decent i think biofrost is a lot better than who he yeah, this one's a little bit interesting to me uh, because, again, we don't know what to... These are the two teams that we have such a hard time pegging. I am going to go with the upset in this one and go with Golden Guardians just because th this TSM team, man, it's so reminiscent of last split where, you know, they would show you something so good one week and come back the next week with nothing. I, I do want to, to go with an upset, upset sometime this week, so this is going to be my upset. I'm going to go with Golden Guardians over TSM. All right, next game we have uh, Dignitas versus 100T. I think, you know, you could argue the two worst teams in the league. I think that's a fairly valid argument. Uh, kind of interesting. I think both of us are expecting a roster change from Dignitas in terms of Darduck coming into to jungle versus Acadian. And uh, for that reason, I'm going to go with Dignitas on this one. I'm going to go with Dig, too. These are, like we said, two teams that are definitely struggling right now, although we have seen some reason to be optimistic out of Dig. Um, so for me, it doesn't feel like an upset taking Dignitas in this one. It feels like we have two lower-tier teams, and I think any team can come out on top, but I'm going to go with Dig as well. Next match, pretty kind of a really good match, honestly, in terms of the top of the table, in terms of the standings. But we have EG versus FlyQuest. Um, I think these two teams are actually pretty similar in the way that they actually play through the game. Um, both Jazuke and Power of Evil are these kinds of players um, where they're kind of just sitting and farming, uh, scaling up, and then they kind of just take over a bit in the late game. I know Jazuke has been a little bit on the twisted fate, but... More often than not, we see Jazuke on these kinds of picks like the Corkies or the Azirs, or even, you know, sometimes the little the wacky picks that he has, like his pocket pick Echo. But uh, I'm actually going to go EG on this one. What about you? Uh, I, I'm going to go with my heart on this one. I'm going to go with FlyQuest. I don't... I actually can see FlyQuest being a, a slight underdog in this one. However, um, I, last week, FlyQuest didn't look that great to me, but it didn't... To me, I mentioned this before, it didn't feel like they were playing bad 
for just the sake of playing bad. It felt like they were playing lazy. And to, so to me, it felt like um, these were easier fixes. Um, I remember in the, was it the, I think it was the Golden Guardians game, they took a lazy path and went through river and got cut off to level one, and that kind of snowballed the whole game. The rest of the game didn't look like FlyQuest played too, too bad to me. So I think that this team just had a weak showing. I still think this team's a good team, and so I'm going to go with FlyQuest. Okay, uh, last game of Saturday, we got Team Liquid versus Immortals. Uh, I think this one is, you know, we have Xmithy going up against his former team in Team Liquid, but uh, I think this one's fairly obvious, and I'm going Team Liquid. I'm going to go TL as well, although I would love to see Xmithy get his revenge against his old yeah. squad, especially, wouldn't it be a nice story to see them come back from from Academy and, and take down TL? TL has not looked too good the last week, I would say. Uh, sp specifically, God, I'm always bad mouth and impact, but God, he looked bad this past week. It's amazing to me in both games, he managed to have significant leads where he'd be 2 0 1 coming out of lane, and then he would continue to get caught time and time again. Now, I don't want to pin that completely on impact, and I don't want to go too deep into this, um, but he's, he's getting caught out with leads often, and so it's either him or his team not being on the same page with him. All I know is that they haven't looked completely clean, and so I'm not sold that this is a, a, a very obvious game. I'm going to go TL, but I'm a little bit hesitant on it. All right. Uh, first game on Sunday, we have uh, the undefeated C9. Well, presumably we'll be undefeated after CLG, and then the winless Dignitas, but we'll have to see what happens in that Dig Hunter team match. But uh, again, under the assumption that Dardoch comes in to sub for Acadian this week, I think this this has the potential to be a, like a very small potential, albeit uh, to be an upset. I could, I can see a world where, you know, it's aggressive jungler versus aggressive jungler and Dardoch versus Blabber. And if, if, you know, let's say, I don't know, for example, it's like Lisa and Olaf or Olaf and Kindred or any of those kind of combinations. If one gets a lead over the other, you know, it could lead to a pretty easy snowball. So while I think the chances are super, super slim for Dignitas, I think there's a way where this could potentially be a decent game. I'm obviously really nine, but <laughs> okay. I think there's a chance that this could actually be a good game. Yeah, to me, this is still an easy C9 pick, so I, I don't really have too much to say. I hope Dignitas starts to look a little bit better, but I'm not going to see that. I, I don't see it happening. So for me, it's an easy C9. The next game on our list is FlyQuest versus TL. This should be a pretty good game. I don't know who I want to take in this one. Who do you got? Yeah, honestly, I think I'm going FlyQuest. I'm, I'm on the fence a little bit here, but I, I, I'm going to go with Team Liquid. I I didn't like, I think in terms of FlyQuest, and they're more, they're also a bit of a slower team, uh, just like Team Liquid. Uh, they're not super aggressive like the C9s or just, I guess, like the C9s. But uh, I, <laughs> I, I just find it hard. I just think if, if both teams are playing the same style, I think Team Liquid just plays that style better in terms of like the late game scaling up and, you know, their macro towards the end of the game. So I'm going to go with Team Liquid on this one. You know, it's kind of unfortunate that I have FlyQuest in my picks going 0-2 this week. Because I do think they're a really good team, but I do think they have some difficult match matchups this week. But uh, it, it, both of these games should be really good games for FlyQuest. See, for me, it's really interesting that you say TL has the better late game. Because as I was just mentioning, Impact has not been on the same page as his team. I don't want to say it's an Impact problem, because it could definitely be a TL problem. But they're getting these leads in laning phase and finding ways to lose them. So I actually think FlyQuest has looked better in the late game. 
And even though I think both these teams looked a little lackluster this past weekend, I think it's going to be probably our, our matchup of the week, either this one or the FlyQuest and EG. I'm going to go with FlyQuest on this one. I think they're the better team, and I think they're going to show that on Sunday. Next up on our list is TSM and CLG, a old rivalry, if you want to call it a rivalry anymore. Uh, I, I personally don't call it a rivalry anymore, but maybe with CLG actually starting to win some games, it can actually become one. What are your thoughts on this one? I mean, like you said, you know, uh, this is a bit of a it's a bit of an OG rivalry. The El the El Clasico, as they used to call it. But uh, it's funny to think that both of these teams are four and two because I think this this match is just super TSM favored, and I, yep. I, I think it's fairly obvious for TSM. But it it's just it it's really surprising that both of these teams are set at four and two, mainly CLG that they're four and two. Yeah, it would so be TSM to lose this game though. So, and I know I say that about a lot of games, but it just would. Um, I'm gonna go with TSM as well. It's it's to me it's a very obvious pick. Anything else on this one before we move to our last game on Sunday? Nope. Last game of Sunday, uh, EG versus Immortals. Um, not too much to say about this matchup. I think I'm gonna go with EG just for the fact that I think they look a lot better than Immortals, and I don't think Xmithy will be able to carry the weight of Immortals over the EG roster. I'm gonna go with EG as well. Although I I still I don't feel that confident in it just simply because we haven't seen this immortal squad too much right we've seen them for one week and also like Smithy mentioned in his interview with travis gafford they've been playing academy teams like they've been scrimming against academy teams for about a month now so it, it will take time i think for this immortal squad to really come into their own but uh, i'm not convinced that they're a bottom team anymore we'll, we'll have to wait and see but i am convinced that eg is a top half team and so for that reason i'm, I'm going with eg Interesting picks for this week. I think this is the most discrepancy that we've had in any of our picks for yeah. any given week. Do you want to pull up our bets before we shut her down? Yeah, your uh, your face is going to get covered here. They don't need to see my face. Oh, yeah, you need a haircut anyway. I know. Okay. Hair is uh, fucking long, man. <clears throat> and now they should be up there right now. Your face getting covered, obviously, but uh, just first glance at these uh, bets right here. What do you think are some some interesting ones that you could consider taking? I gotta take Golden Guardians over 100 Thieves. Whoever's making these odds is trolling, man. These are great odds for a team that has been struggling and is now putting in Academy players. Golden Guardians, yeah, maybe they've looked a little shaky, but I can tell you for sure 100 Thieves has looked more shaky. To me, that is the best uh, bet on this sheet. But uh, there's a couple other ones I have my eye on. I did take FlyQuest over EG, and I do not think that that matchup is as lopsided as, as these odds would suggest. So I also took FlyQuest in that one. And then there was one more that I need to find on here. Oh, it's the FlyQuest versus Team Liquid. I have FlyQuest slightly favored in that one, and the odds are 2-1. to one. So nothing amazing. I think those are fair odds for FlyQuest side. So I would take FlyQuest in both games, and then I would definitely take Golden Guardians in the first match on Friday Night League against 100 Thieves. Yeah, I, I think just even mentioning back to our picks, I think both of us kind of feel that the FlyQuest, both the FlyQuest games are even games for the most part. I think I picked uh, EG and TL just because I think those teams will be a little bit better on the day. But, you know, I think those games are definitely not as lopsided as these, as these bets say that they are. And uh, definitely the, the Golden Guardians versus Hunter Thieves. I don't know who the hell is making these bets. But uh, yeah. <laughs> 100 Thieves is most definitely not favored in that matchup. 
Got to get in now before these odds change. I do not think the, uh, these odds will be like this the rest of the week. So if anyone's considering taking some bets, it's good to get on there now and look at these amazing odds before they go. <clears throat> yeah. I'm gonna, uh, they will be able to see your face again now. You're back. Okay. All right. I'm, I am back live again. You can see my long-ass hair. Um, just for anybody that's still hanging around in the chat, uh, please do drop us a follow if you enjoyed the episode. If anybody is on YouTube, leave us a like. And definitely leave any comments, any suggestions that you have for the podcast. We want to hear from you guys. Our Twitters are also on the page. Feel free to tweet at us any thoughts that you guys have. Anything else before we shut her down, JNT? We have actually started using our Clown Fiesta Twitter. So we will actually be posting on that thing now. We're going to post our... Uh, our picks for each games uh, on the day of the games. So, like when Friday comes out, we'll we'll do our hashtag uh, C9 win and our hashtag. What was the other game? Was it Golden Guardians? I think that we picked. Yeah, it was Golden Guardians Hunter T. We both picked Golden oh. Guardians. Uh, but yeah, okay. we're gonna, we're going to start actively using that a lot more. So feel free to follow that and definitely send us any questions if you have any. Um, I think uh, this week of LC this. Upcoming week of LCS is going to be a good week. I think we have two good games in both of the FlyQuest games. And, uh, you know, we got some now some new rosters coming to the LCS. So I think it should be a good week. One last thing I want to say before we go is next week, we are going to have a different time for our episode. Actually, the next three weeks, our episodes times will change for the live version. They will all be uploaded to YouTube. So you can expect them on the Clown Fiesta podcast channel on YouTube Monday nights. However, the live episode will be at a different time. Keep track of our Twitter. We will leave updates on Twitter as to when the episodes will be. Uh, anything else, JNT? No, I think that's it. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Appreciate you guys listening, and we hope to see you guys next week on Monday. Thanks, guys.